This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 88 of Aviation Careers Podcast, Carl's Theory of Negativity. Why the loudest voices are those who hate their jobs and why we should ignore them. Welcome to this episode of of this podcast where we inspire you to fulfill your career goal through knowledge and commentary. Today I have with me two of my favorite co-hosts, Eric Crump and Tom Wachowski, to help us answer questions and discuss my theory of negativity. Hey guys, how's it going? Good day, everyone. <laughs> hey, Tom. Hello, hello. And uh, Tom is is uh, speaking to us from up in the... Well, where are you today, actually, Tom? Well, I'm, I am home today in the middle of Michigan. Middle of Michigan, great. And, uh, and then Eric is all, obviously in central Florida, and uh, I am on the uh, west coast of Florida. And it's a rainy, yes. rainy Florida. As a matter of fact, uh, I actually, at one point, almost got marooned. I live on a little island on the intercoastal and one of the bridges uh one of the roads i should say going to the bridge actually was underwater uh, wow. because of all the rain that we've been having so island life is not you know always that great sometimes you can't get off the island that you're on or you can't get to the bridge to get off the island that you're on and that that can be a, a real issue so uh but it's a lot of fun and uh it's nice to be near the beach in in sunny florida and i'm gonna head up to new york tomorrow morning but, nice. uh, but anyway, you know, getting on with the podcast, in episode 38, we discussed why you should not listen to the naysayers. And uh, in this episode, I want to introduce my theory of negativity. But if you get a chance, go to episode 38 and listen to the video out there. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually has a wonderful video about, you know, what you should do with your life. Don't listen to the naysayers. Watch that YouTube video that's there. As a matter of fact, I may even post it on this episode, uh, and it is incredibly inspirational. But uh, that is a really good video. That's one of those that I keep bookmarked, and if I'm having a really down day, I plug that thing up. That's like my uh, that's my get up and get started video. <laughs> right, and I tell you what, maybe Arnold will come on to the show and talk a little bit about that. There you go. Let me give him a, yeah. Let me give him a shout here. Hey, you never know. He might do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, between hey, other, Kyle. <laughs> I'll be I know. I actually got to I am pseudo, <laughs> pseudo meet him once. I flew uh, uh, McCain out to. Uh, see him and he got off the bus and the plane and he was right there and he is a big guy oh yeah he is a big dude isn't he and uh but uh, interesting fellow really really inspirational but uh you know and and i think a a lot of time getting to my theory of negativity that that there there is in my mind and and i've read a lot about this it's easier to say negative things than positive things and a lot of times when you hear negative things they're usually the loudest uh, either whether it's loud, meaning there's a lot of commentary on the web, or in person and speaking uh, in, in a louder voice, or even online in videos. The people that are satisfied are a lot of times the quiet ones. Now, I understand that there are quiet people that have negative viewpoints. For instance, when you, you go to a restaurant and you have bad service, you may not complain, but you're not coming back. But there are, so, there are people that constantly complain, and you, you see them, especially at the restaurants. But these are the, these are the people we hear often. But we have to understand, and, and from a lot of stuff that I've read, that these are not the people 
that are the norm. They're the minority. There is this majority of people out there that, that love doing what they're doing that aren't speaking up, and I'd love to hear that, and I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. You know, I was in the cockpit, and I was jump seating to Tampa, and in the left seat was a, uh, he's an F-15 pilot uh, in his previous career, and now he's a captain with the airlines. And I told him, I said, you know, a lot of times I run into pilots, that, especially fighter pilots, that just, they don't feel satisfied with this job as an airline pilot. And they, they just, they, they complain that they wish they were back flying fighters, etc. And he looks at me and says, you know, I don't think I agree with that. He says, I know so many people that love their job here as fighter pilots. I said, you know, I think you're right, actually, because, you know, in my theory of negativity, which, uh, you know, it's just a, a theory I throw out there, the, you know, the, the voices that we hear, the loudest voices we hear are a lot of times negative. The ones that are so satisfied are sometimes quiet because they're quiet in their satisfaction. And uh, he, he said, yes, as, you know, well said. He says, but he says, I could call 10 guys right now who are ex-fighter pilots that absolutely love their job. Um, and and that's that's his relationship. My relationship with with that theory is that you know when I when I was starting in business and my my first larger business, I was in my twenties and people were telling me you know what do you know about the food business? Because I was in computers. You know I made enough money in the computer business to be able to fund a seafood business that I got into because I married into it basically. And and you know everyone's like you know you know nothing. There's no way you could do this. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. Well. I proved all them wrong, and I was able to build this multinational business. Well, years later, I decided to switch careers into aviation, and then I hear the same thing. You're too old. You know, there's, you're too inexperienced. And I'm like, wow, these are the same things I heard just 15 years ago when I was starting my first larger business. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always negatives out there. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's a plague on all of us. You know, no matter what stage of life we're in, whatever position we're in, you know, you're going to find that. You're going to find people that are going to be negative. So I tell you this, just, just start from where you are, go forward, and try not to listen to those naysayers. You know what, though? The hardest part about that is a lot of times those naysayers are our family and our friends and people that we really respect, and sometimes they prevent us from moving forward in our career. And uh, they stay. They they like us, but they're they're stopping us. You have to look inside yourself and then say to yourself, you know, what is it I want to do? And when you share with somebody something that you want to do, and there's a, a a negative response, what you need to do is move on to the next person who has a more positive response. And uh, you know, so be careful who you dream you you share your dreams with. Make sure those are people that are going to support you. And moving forward in your in your career, so you know, Eric. I guess I'm going to start with you. Have you have you had this type of experience yourself in my little quote unquote theory of of, of negativity? Sure. I mean, I, I think everybody's experienced that sometime. If you haven't, I think if the first time it comes at you, it's a real you know shocker. It's like, wait, somebody doesn't think this is a good idea. <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should step back. And um, I always wanted to be a pilot. Uh, We've talked about this before. I, I just that whether I did it for a living or not, I always wanted to fly airplanes. I mean, from the, the earliest moment I can remember, I, I wanted to fly an airplane. Um, and I remember um, somebody telling me, "Oh, oh you you ha- you have to go into the military if you want to fly, fly for the airlines." I was like, "Well, I don't want to go fly in the military. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to do that though." Um, I'm like, well, I, maybe that's not going to work. And then it's like, no, 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 you can learn to fly at your local airport. Like, oh, really? That's that's incredible. That'll be fun. So I start doing that. I try to get my medical, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, sorry, kid, you're colorblind." 
Like, oh, that's tough. Okay, well, that's terrible. Okay, so I can't fly now? Well, you can do this weird test, but you're probably not going to pass it. And yeah, so I, I take the test and I passed it. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. So got, got over that one. Um, I was like, maybe I do want to look at the military because this whole flying thing, this is really expensive. So, you know, my, my aunt knew somebody. I went to talk to this guy. He's like, yeah, uh, you're too tall. Uh, you wear glasses and you're colorblind. You can't fly in the military. I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? So I guess at some point, though, at least for me, I, uh, I've just gotten used to naysayers. There's, there's always somebody out there who's going to disagree with you. There may be a lot of somebodies that disagree with you. Um, there are people who thought I was insane to, to pick up my family and, and move and, and start a brand new college aviation program um, from a college that had never had an aviation program or any programs in aviation. I thought that was crazy. And why would you do that? It's never going to work. It'll, you know, you'll never get any students. Well, I mean, we have 120 now. I think we're doing okay. Um, you know, we have, we have the only public bachelor's degree in the state of Florida in aviation. So I, I think, I think that worked out okay. Um, and, and I guess at some point you start to, view the negativity as almost, and maybe I'm weird on this one, but I almost look at it as encouragement. Because if somebody's telling me, hey, this isn't a good idea, that means there's some risk there. And it means I need to make it, it just gives me more of an opportunity to really calculate that risk and determine if it's something that I want to do. It doesn't shut me down. It actually gets me more pumped up. Now there's there's another challenge I need to uh, accomplish. And I was fortunate. I had great parents. I've always had a very supportive family. My wife is outstanding. My kids are great. They put up with a lot from me. Um, and they've always been extremely supportive. Everybody, you know, friends and everything. Um, but when it comes to naysayers, there have been plenty of people who told me I can't. Um, and for me, that was a challenge to show them that I can. And and I think that a lot of that depends on your your outlook, your attitude. And and I love the title, the theory of negativity, um, because we do kind of live in a really negative society, unfortunately. And I hate to say that. Um, I think there are a lot of positive people out there, but I think they keep their mouth shut too much. Um, the people who are the loudest are, in fact, usually the people who are the most depressed and hateful about what it is that they do or or what it is they think you're doing. And um, we need to get past that. Um, and, and certainly, if you're going to go into the aviation career, there's a lot of people out there that are telling you it's a really bad idea and you're going to hate your life. But like Carl said, I, I, I haven't worked. I don't remember the last time I went to a job. I, I mean, I love what I do. I've, I, it's fun. I, I legitimately enjoy it. And the fact that they help me pay my bills is just a bonus. <laughs> so you focused on the positives. And I think that's awesome. And and move forward. You have with that. to, yeah. And it, it's not just it's not just a self directed thing, though. And I, I'm interested to hear about uh, Tom's perspective on this too. But so much in aviation is a it's a crowd sourced career, and you you do need mentors. You do need people to talk to because I had a conversation, an email conversation with a listener early today, earlier today that I think hopefully we'll talk about yes. later in the episode, and. And one of the things I pointed out was, you know, when I started this, I didn't know that you could fly and be colorblind. I didn't know that you could fly and not go through the military because I didn't know who to talk to. And so uh, it, it's, yes, you got to look for the positive, but you got to surround yourself with positive people. You got to find those people and you got to use those as a, as a positive sounding board. Don't bounce ideas off people you know are negative and will never say yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, great point, you know, and, and, 
actually using that example, when, when I started my business, one of the people that helped me with my business said, listen, you need to surround yourself with people that are positive and that can help you and, and make you stretch and grow. And make sure you're careful who you share your dreams with and, and your business ideas. So what did I do? I went out and found five people that own billion-dollar businesses. And uh, lo and behold, a couple of them said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. Um, you can't tell anybody I'm helping you. It has to be, you know, I had to sign an agreement, but I will be your mentor. And uh, I'm like, well, what can I do for you? He says, nothing, just pay it forward. I was like, wow, that, that is really cool. And, uh, and those people helped me, helped me grow that business. Just like you said, you need a mentor in your career. Like this career, you have to find people that are going to help you move forward uh, and then aren't, aren't always negative. Go, I tell you, today I was hearing so much negativity when I was hanging around with a bunch of pilots, uh, flight instructors, uh, discussing how, you know, how bad this career is. And, and just there wasn't any one positive thing coming out of it. I was like, wow, guys, come on. Give me one positive thing, and that's why I always tell people, try to say something positive about yourself and others, and try to do that today in their career, and it, and it points you in a whole new direction. It actually physiologically changes you. But, you know, Tom, how about you? Well, let's, let's discuss, you know, you know, my little theory of negativity and, and your feelings towards this. Well, I think you guys both made a lot of great points. Uh, you know, Carl, you were just saying how, you know, if, you, if people – that you were with today were talking bad. And if they believe that this career is tough and this career is A or this career is B, then guess what? They're right, right? I mean, sure. if that's what they truly think. And so it comes down to, I think, to you as in, you know, if you're somebody who's got negative influence, and, and we all do, as you said, Eric, it comes down to what you choose to focus on. And I, Eric, you had touched on this, focusing on the positive. And, and maybe I would take it one step further and say focusing on what you can control. So, you know, of course, this career has bad days, but you can't control the weather, right? <laughs> you can't <laughs> control the ATC delay. And, and there's just certain things you can't control, you know, that it's it, uh, what, however much money it is for multi-engine time to get into multi-engine rating. Today. You can't control those things. So I, I think uh, focusing on the positive and the things that you can direct in your life helps to, to, you know, ward off some of that negativity and uh, helps you stay on track for what your goal is. Well, well said. You know, Tom, you're somebody that I think uh, has he heard a few negative things in his life, and you've made a heck of a lot of changes, and, and I'm sure you probably second-guessed yourself based on some of those comments. You, you know, I think you do wonder sometimes, but don't don't you guys think that at some point in your life you get to a, oh, what's the right word, a, a threshold where you may say, hmm, I'll think about that for a second, and you think about it and you move forward right. because you know what you want. It's you, it's very clear visually, mentally, emotionally to you, and so you know that doesn't mean you ignore people who might say, hey, look out for that. That's going to hit you from left field. I'm going to look over in left field but I'm also going to charge toward my goal. And I think it, go, it goes back to that focus thing. If I'm focused on whatever, you know, is in front of me as my target, and, and, and you know what, that could even be little, right? I mean, it could be as much as I'm focused today on making sure that we depart this airport where it's snowing and it's, uh, you know, uh, contaminated runway conditions and, and I'm focused on a safe takeoff. Or it could be I'm focused on a good career, right? It could be different sizes, but... Whatever I can control in those two instances to meet the goal, that negativity, it, it, I'll listen and it bounces off. 
Now listen, and it bounces off. Wow, that's that's a great, great uh, theory and great example. It's just, it, it kind of reminds me when I was younger in high school, I, I was working at a gas station pumping gas and driving a little tow truck, and the uh, the owner said, hey, don't go to college, you know, you can stay right here and make money. Don't go there, don't listen to your parents. And <laughs> and finally, uh, all that stuff just started, you know, bouncing off me, like you just said, and I decided, forget you, I'm going to college, yeah. and I'm going to get a degree, and I don't need this job, you know, changing tires and changing oil and towing people's cars at broke down the middle of the night in a snowstorm. But you see, know. you played it all, as you just described it, you played it all out. What does this look like? Not for me. I'm out of here. Yeah, right? exactly. Very <laughs> good point, Tom. Very good point. That was awesome. Great analysis. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm on the couch now. <laughs> but this is Tell really... me about your child. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we laugh, but boy, this is really, it, it's serious stuff. When you're sitting there trying yes. to decide, if you're listening right now about a career and you're trying to, you're probably trying to convince your parents or your family, uh, your spouse, that this is what you want to do. Uh, you know, there's a lot of negative things uh, that that will come out, and uh, and you just have to address those and say, hey, listen, this is the this is what I want to do. The other thing I think it's important to do is distinguish between negativity and reality, because mm-hmm. sometimes that negative thing is real. You know, maybe the weather is too bad today, and so to go, oh, he's just saying the weather's bad and he doesn't want to go. Well, maybe he's actually right. So there is maybe a, a line there, a very thin gray area between negativity and, and you know, sometimes it is real. It's something oh, that sure. you do need to pay attention to. You, we've all read the accident reports. I mean, you got to think, you know, the chain, the accident chain, you got, somewhere in there, one of those chains was usually like, hey, don't do that. You know, was that negativity or was that reality? So right. there's, a, there's a line there. Right, right. And when I say positive influences, I mean people who, who – <laughs> not necessarily who fill you up with sunshine, but <laughs> who positively inspire you to make the best decisions. And sometimes those things are, are not going to be what you want to hear. Um, but there is a difference between positive inspiration and, and, and straight positivity. You don't want to surround yourself with people who just sing sunshine all day long because that's not the way of the world. Neither is straight negativity. You need to find yourself positive influencers who understand you, who understand what you want to do, and are you know experts in their particular area of what it is that you're interested in. Um, it, you you really you can't be polar. You know when you're looking for mentors, if you want to if you want good mentorship, you need to find somebody who's rational, reasonable, and who will tell you the good, will tell you the bad because there is bad. But ultimately, end of the day. Be a positive influencer. That doesn't mean just sunshine, but positive influence, uh, helping you move forward. That's yeah. the, that's the key. That's a very good point, Eric. And and, and don't you think too that sometimes uh, when we hear something, maybe we don't want to hear, and initially we're you know ah uh, you know screw that person, and that's ne- and then maybe you know a day later or a week later we're like ah they actually had a good point, and you become. Better. There was a takeaway buried in that quote negativity. Has that ever happened to you guys? Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, you know, it's funny when you were saying that. I remember something my brother told me when I was uh, younger, and he said something. I don't don't remember exactly what it was. It was about me, and it was something that was negative, and I was mad at him. And then, like, <laughs> I thought about it a day later, and I was like, you know, he's right. I need to change this, and I need to change. Uh, this this negative thing about myself, and I did finally. It took a little bit of prodding, but um, 
I made I made a, a actually a dramatic change in in my life because it was something that was it was all encompassing and and taking over my life and uh, is that aviation? <laughs> uh, actually, no. That was the that was the thing that I went into from the other. And uh, you know, you you have one habit that goes away and another one that comes into your life. Yeah. Aviation being one of those. And uh, you know, it just uh, I was like, wow. You know, you're correct. And uh, I I was so I was so driven at one point in my life. It, really, what it was is I was so driven on my business and making money that it, it kind of became all encompassing. And uh, realizing that you know money wasn't everything, it did buy a lot of neat things, but uh, but it's not not everything. That's that's for sure. So that was one of the things he made me realize, which was kind of good. So I won't admit it in front of him, but he did. He was a positive influence in my life that way. Uh, otherwise, he would have thrown me against the wall because my brother's huge. Uh, but <laughs> and, and I'm not the smallest guy in the world. You can imagine how big he is. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, but yes, yes, I did. That was that was that was interesting. That there's a great conversation though about positive people and, and negativity. Uh, I came across. I had a very negative day today, and by and this is another thing you should do by surrounding yourself with people that bring you up. It helps. Like right now. Uh, those negative things mean nothing because I'm hanging out with Eric and Tom, who are very positive people and are kind of inspiring me and, and getting me going. So that's a, that's kind of a, it's the same kind of thing, you know, where we you don't want to find people that, you know, they're not gonna just be sunshine all the time, which Eric definitely isn't, and uh, but at least he's he's honest. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that wasn't really a shot, actually. That was somewhat trying to be a compliment, but it didn't come out right. <laughs> you know, the other thing too to think about it with negativity is sometimes. Sometimes we might put the wrong filter on it. In other words, what I mean is, you know, I think we've all probably had people who were being very candid with us about something. Right. And we initially didn't want to hear it, right? So you put up the guard and you walk away upset. And, and you know, it, later on, it's like it was a good point, kind of as we were just talking about. So sometimes, you know, uh, directness or candidness, which both are very critical to safety and survival in aviation uh, you know, could be mistaken for negativity. Uh, so maybe it's a, a uh, lookout for this type of thing. Right. Well said. And uh, so it's, it's all on how you say it. You know, I think that, that also helps. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're a flight instructor, make sure you just tell them the facts. Hey, listen, you know, that, that wasn't within tolerance. Let's just do that landing again or that approach again. You know, just, just say, hey, this is what I observed and go on from there. Don't just yell at them and say, hey, you're the worst pilot I ever met. You know, why can't you put that on the center line, et cetera? Uh, just give them the feedback and give them positive feedback and say, hey, I know you can do this. Let's just try it again. It's a much different approach. So try to do something like that. Say something positive about yourself and say something positive about uh, other people. Even if they're what you're talking about might be construed as negative. Try to try to kind of paint it in a positive light. I, hey, this this wasn't correct, but we're going to do it again until you get it correct. And how about a how about a great way to break the negativity? Just smile back at them. Oh <laughs> smile. I mean, how easy is that and it's not it's not a sunshine technique but it works right i mean you're you've got an angry ramper carl in your career <laughs> or uh, eric you've got a student who's just having a bad day. you know how how quickly does that change their state right it yeah, does it's a very quick solution you you are absolutely correct well i'd love to hear from the listeners too about uh, some of the things that they've turned around and and made positive. Hey, took in a negative and turned it into a positive. I hope uh, you know my my theory of negativity, where people that are you know are louder than the ne- you know positive people are usually the ones that are heard. But they're you, you know what you need to focus. 
You need to focus on on those positives. But uh, hey, guys, let's move on to some listener mail. We have a whole bunch of listener mail uh, coming up here, so let's let's move on to that. This is a great topic. We could talk all night about this, uh, and there's so many different resources for for positive thinking, etc. As a matter of fact, we'll put a couple of links at the uh, at the bottom of this uh, the post of this podcast. By the way, make sure you go to the website aviationcareerspodcast.com and read all the show notes. I got a ton of links that'll help you anything we've mentioned here are in those links and click on past episodes if there's some question you have you actually can find the answer sometimes in past episodes not that we don't want to answer your questions here because uh, sometimes these questions do repeat but it's good to actually repeat those answers uh, sometimes so let's start with the first uh, first question and <clears throat> i will start with the answer of the first one and then we'll we'll kind of like do this round robin uh thing here because the, the especially the second one which i know eric has has answered uh, another person sent in a similar email and then we'll go on to tom so i'll take the first one it says uh it says greetings from singapore uh so he wants talking about scholarships for foreigners uh, it says hi carl i've been following your podcast for the past year it is truly informative and genuine at least that's what i feel from the other side of the world just wondering if there are flying scholarships for foreigners, students slash applicants to learn to fly commercial pilot license or instrument rating in the U.S. I have a Malaysian private pilot license and an FA private pilot license, foreign based. Once again, keep up your good work, the podcast, and I hope to hear more from you soon. Hey, you know, thanks for that. As far as the scholarships are concerned, uh, one of the things we are doing is branching off into doing more foreign scholarships, even though we are based here in the U.S. We do have a lot of foreign scholarships coming in, especially from the Caribbean, actually. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to do, and I guess this is a good time to update you on this, is I wanted to put into place a system where we actually not just verify, we audit the scholarships. We have that system in place now. So we are constantly auditing the scholarships. What does that mean? That means that we always are going through the directory, making sure that those scholarships are correct and up to date. Another question I get often uh, and is, you know, gosh, why should I even pay for the scholarships, guys? It's only like $10. But, uh, you know, I can find this on the Internet. Well, I'll tell you what. This is why you want to look at the scholarships guide is because of the fact that some of these scholarships are really tough to find. There are some large organizations out there that I won't name, but they have scholarships that you can't find on the Internet. And these are big, big organizations. And what we do is we put that in our scholarships guide. Now, I'm not going to knock them because I think it's wonderful what they're doing. They're, They're providing a scholarship. But some of these organizations, you actually have to send them an email, contact them on Facebook, send them a Twitter give them a phone call, send them a fax, and then finally you might get information about that scholarship. What we're trying to do is make that process a lot easier by getting the information from the scholarship administrator, putting it out in the guide, and then you can have that information and how to get to that website and apply for that scholarship. That's what we're trying to do because what we have found is a lot of these people that have scholarships, what they wind up doing is pulling them off their website or they don't publish them anymore. But we want you to know that that scholarship is out there. And usually around, say, September, the scholarship comes available. So you'll know and you'll be looking for that scholarship when it comes available. So that that's one of the reasons we started this guide. Remember a long time ago, people kept writing in and they calling in and say, hey, listen, where can I get money for flight training? And this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a guide that that we can put together that has all the information. So 
The way you get the guide is you can go online, purchase the guide, uh, which is actually one month membership in our on Aviation Careers podcast. It's only ten dollars. Of course, annual is is a hundred dollars. But you can also go to Amazon and get the, the book off of Amazon if that's what you use your Kindle reader for that. The one cool thing about purchasing it off the website is we constantly update that that guide and we also put it in a PDF file. And I'd love to hear comments about it. Please give us comments because we constantly change it. Uh, I think one of the comments was something about uh, the way we had it in the directory and the links weren't correct, so we fixed all those. Uh, in, and we're, this is an evolving process. We have hundreds and hundreds of, of scholarships that keep coming in. So there's money out there for you, and uh, I, I just I think it's a wonderful opportunity. So uh, And Eric, you've, you've actually pointed a couple of people towards the scholarships guide, and they've actually used it, which is kind of cool. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, way more than a couple. Everybody <laughs> I can get my hands on, man. It's, I've, I've said it here. I've said it everywhere. If this thing existed when I went to college, there's no telling how much money I wouldn't have spent. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a tremendous resource, and I hope I hope people are taking advantage of it. Yeah, they are. And it's getting some traction because we, we do keep selling these books. And, and thank you so much for purchasing them because what it does is it, it helps us bring, you know, more scholarships to the guide and helps us actually produce this show here. Uh, and it's, it's actually something that really, in my mind, is one of the reasons I do all this. Because it helps you get towards your goal. And if someone calls me and says, hey, listen, I got this scholarship, uh, I'll think about that for weeks. If you tell me you got a 500 or $5,000 or $50,000 scholarship, uh, I'll, be, I'll be jumping up and down. So please, if you get one, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, moving on to the, to the next question. And this comes in, uh, it's talking about bachelor's degree and the majors. I know we've discussed this before, but this is a little uh, a little bit different uh, viewpoint on it and angle. It says, hi, Carl. I've listened to many of your podcasts and have found them to be extremely helpful and encouraging as I continue on my aviation journey. I signed up today for membership on your site so that I can start putting your scholarships guide to use and see what I can do about finishing my four-year degree. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I currently am working at a regional 121 carrier as a first officer in a CRJ. I worked for a handful of years previously in the 135 world flying passengers and turboprops. I was chief pilot and check airman. For what I can gather from my previous flight experience and experience that I am gaining, I have a year or two to go and could be considered competitive in the flight experience section of my resume when it comes to landing a job at the major carrier I'd prefer to work for. Where I think I am lacking... In rounding out my resume, the most is my college experience. I have an associate's degree in aviation maintenance where I earned my AMP license, but oh, have nice. yet to finish a bachelor's degree. That's really cool. I wish I had my AMP. Yeah, me uh, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and that's just something I really admire, people that have their AMP. I've met quite a few pilots who have limited college experience, but have a wealth of flight and other career experience, but just are not getting any calls for interviews at the majors. So, as I start to make plans for finishing my degree, here are a few questions I have, and I'm going to focus these uh, towards Eric. It's going to be, number one, do the major airlines seem to have a preference for your degree being an aviation-related field or outside the field? Uh, and number two, with the hiring trends forecasted for the future, is there any reason to suspect that these four-year degree requirements would be lifted from the hiring process at the majors? Number three, I would imagine that GPA and any honors received during achieving the degree are considerations as well when it comes to the hiring process. But are there any additional elements that come to mind when hiring boards 
look at someone's education. Examples, time to completion, online versus traditional met methods, etc. Thank you, Carl, for the resources you are making available to us. If those questions have already been addressed in previous podcasts and I missed them, I'd appreciate a reference to which episode to check that out. Some of those have been addressed, but yours is a little more specific. So, Eric, why don't you start with uh, answering the, those three questions? Sure. Uh, do the major airlines seem to have a preference for your degree being in an aviation-related field? Um, preference? Sure. Um, huge, big deal, deal breaker? No. Um, you know, any any practical experience you have in upper-level study in what you're going to be doing when you show up for NDOC or as you go through training or you get to IOE would be helpful. I, I mean, I've, I'm not an airline recruiter. But I do know something about training pilots, and the more prior experience you come in with um, from an academic perspective and certainly from a practical perspective also, the better you are as a candidate. Um, but from – and, you know, Carl's actually working in the 120 world right now and, and deals with a lot of pilot hiring and can maybe chime in as a second voice, and I could be way off. But from what I hear and certainly what we receive from our industry advisory board, um, aviation field is – preferred, but it's certainly not a deal breaker if it's outside the field. Right, right. And that, I think that, that's a very, very good point. Um, we, we do see that where uh, people, and ask that every day, I got that asked today, you know, what does it matter what the degree is? I, it does help, by the way, to have an aviation degree or a minor at least, because then you know uh, what you're coming against when you get to the airlines. In other words, you will have a lot of experience. You'll understand the operations, 121, et cetera. I do notice a difference, though, when people come in with a degree in aviation, because they understand how, how things work. That's for sure. It just makes the basic end doc easier. Um, you know, for for this particular person, though, I would say if you're in the 120 world already and you're looking to upgrade, obviously you have 121 experience already. Um, and I'm never going to tell you not to get a degree in aviation. Um, that's what I did. And if I was doing it again today, I would go back and do the exact same thing because I feel like it really helped me out as I went, you know, through uh, my progression. But I have uh, a staff member who works with me um, who has a degree in uh, literature, who was uh, chief pilot and vice president of flight operations for three airlines. So I mean, that's, I don't. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, with with data in front of me that it that it makes a significant difference. I, I can tell you, um, maybe if we move on to question two a little bit, um, is there any reason to suspect that that four year degree requirement would be lifted? I, I really don't think so. Um, it would have to get to a point where, well, I, I guess. The, the scenario you presented kind of answers the question. Um, if you've got people with great experience and a great background and they're not getting the call for the interview, we know that the majors are hiring. And if they're not getting the call, that's because supply and demand hasn't kicked into a point where that bachelor's degree is off the table yet. Is that coming? Well, I mean, we could sit here and spitball and prognosticate all day long. Um, hey, anything is possible. Um, you know, if you had told me when I was 13 I would be running a collegiate aviation program, I would have probably laughed at you. But, you know, any, anything is possible. Um, but at the same time, where we are now and where we're forecasting into the five- and ten-year region, I don't think so. And the people I talk to at the airlines don't think so. Um, actually, the degree is more important now than it used to be um, because in some institutions it can hook you up with the RATP uh, benefit and actually get you um, ATP qualified sooner. Now, again – in this particular instance, obviously, we're dealing with a pilot who's already working in the 121 world. But just general wisdom, um, you know, is the degree going away? 
not with any window that I can see, certainly not in, at the major level. Um, will the preference of the aviation-related field maybe change at the major level? That's maybe a little more likely than the degree requirement going away. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I open it up to the other two guys if you want to jump in there. And by all means, contradict me. I would love to crawl through and really duke it out with Carl. Not no. Tom so much. Tom scares me, but Carl, <laughs> Carl, I, I, we could go two rounds. Gosh, you know, Eric, I hate to say this, but I agree with you. I mean, there's uh, there, is, and I tell people wow. this, I, I really Tom, don't think Tom, I've make played. a note of this. Go ahead, make a note of this. It was episode, <laughs> so it was episode took 88. 88 episodes to get to this point. <laughs> 88, episode 88 was when Carl said he agreed with me. <laughs> you know, we talk about it, uh, the, the pilot shortage. It's really at the end of the regionals, not so much at the majors. I mean, the majors are reducing their minimums as far as flight time, and certain other things. I tell you what, if you have 15,000 hours and two moon landings, they'll probably hire you without a degree. Uh, but uh, if you got to the moon without a degree, I want to I want to hear that story, first of all. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there there is that possibility, because I do know guys with uh, 20,000 hours, uh, 25,000 hours that were able to get hired at the majors. That is an extreme example. Do you want to wait you get 25,000 hours or wait till you have four 4,000 hours uh, that that will expedite the process plus it's a great way for the airlines after they get you know they have say a hundred positions 10,000 applicants just take all the people off that don't have a four-year degree and it makes it a lot easier so yeah, I, you I'd start with the start with the top and then work your way down oh sure sure that, that that's that's definitely for sure so I'd have to agree with that so one. let's see so question three was GPA and honors um, as considerations, um, additional elements that come to mind. Um, do GPA and honors matter? Well, sure. Um, you know, and, and it's one of the things, oh gosh, we could do a whole podcast on how to make your resume not look really, really idiotic. But um, don't use papyrus as your font <laughs> or comic sans. Um, but anyway, this is not a resume episode. But um, – you know, when you're broadcasting your GPA and, you know, the honors you received, you know, that's that's not really the big deal. Um, that becomes a big deal if it's your first job out of college, you know, because you don't have anything else. All you have is the fact that you went to college and you got a good GPA and you were on the dean's list and you were a part of this organization and that's great. And, you know, that that is your marketing advantage. When you've been out in the industry and you've been doing the job, um, it it's not such a big deal and you really shouldn't, um, you know, bold highlight, increase the font of your GPA and the honors you received. You really don't want to do that because it takes the focus away from what the employer is really looking for, which is, you know, your, your well-rounded experience is not just academic. It's got to be both. So I would, yeah, I mean, if you have a, you know, 2.0 GPA <laughs> and the other guy has a 4.0 GPA, yeah, that's an issue. You know, and I've talked to people who, um, you know, who do uh, career counseling, and Carl and I have actually had this conversation before. Do you even put your GPA on your resume if it's not your first job out of college? And there are whole schools of thought on all of that. Um, I basically I would validate your question and say yes, it is a consideration. So if your GPA isn't great or you don't have any really, you know, you know, I was the cafeteria cleaner. Yeah, you know, that's not an honor. Don't put that. Don't right. don't don't list that. If you have legitimate, you know, real honors that you want people to know about, or you have a GPA that's really good, or you were dean's list, sure, you can mention that. But again, just don't make that the focal point of your resume. And, and I, I focus that primarily to the person who wrote the question, who has the 121 experience, the 135 experience, who's been in the business. 
that's not your selling point. That that is that's what rounds you out. So don't make that the biggest item. You know, when it comes to time time to completion online versus traditional methods, again, I haven't heard anything um, negative or positive about that. I don't know that people um, from a hiring perspective are looking at that, uh, especially for somebody in your position, because in in the interview, if it even came up and said, you know, why did you choose to attend online only? because I'm working and you know I, I didn't want to lose my relevancy in the industry to go to a classroom I, I thought it was important that I you know again I wanted to be a well-rounded and that's used that word <laughs> I was looking for I wanted to be a well-rounded um, fit for your for your airline and I, I think that's the answer that's the, the easy answer and is it a huge deal I, not that I've seen no I think it's fairly honestly I think it's somewhat irrelevant whether it was online other than uh, if it goes into a, some kind of story like, oh, you know, I had this difficulty in life and I was able to finish my degree online, etc. But uh, otherwise, I, I think the fact you have a degree is, is the most important part. But I, I will say one thing, and I think he might be alluding to this in the question, if I'm reading it correctly, is put other honors and other organizations you're involved with on your resume, you know, like different pilot associations, etc. Also, you know, if you were an Eagle Scout or if you're involved, I know one recruiter especially, if you're involved in NIFA, which is, you know, the National Intercollegiate Flight Association, uh, there is one recruiter I know that looks for that at the bottom and that goes to the top of the list. So if you're involved in any extracurricular activities that resonate with that recruiter, put it on there. So if it's anything that you and think. If you, and also, if you, you just reminded me of something. If you go to an aviation institution that has an Alpha Eta Row chapter, that's the Aviation Professional Fraternity if that's the something that interests you, you know, there's a you know, there's a decent chance that somebody in your interview committee uh, might uh, might be a uh, an Alpha Eta Row member. If nothing else, it's just an additional networking opportunity. Exactly. So, um that's uh that that could be something you want to look at if it's something if that kind of thing uh, interests you. Well said. Well said. Well, thanks Eric. I appreciate that. Great, great answers Absolutely. to those questions. And, great uh, question. Thank you yes, for that. Yes, and thank you for the question. That was that was awesome. Well, anyway, moving on to the next one. I may throw this one. No, I won't be able to throw this one to Tom. I'll answer this one real quick. It has to do with the scholarships. It says, Dear Carl, with great joy, I have listened to for quite some time to your podcast and learned about uh, thinking about my career and what I want. I am not currently involved professionally in aviation, but consider it a hobby. This interest had made me get involved in aviation in a test flight for one hour in a Cessna 150 two weeks from now. I want to do more than only fly, so I, I also would like to be involved in, in voyage planning and pre-flight. <laughs> that is granted and is great and, and is so excited. Um, and it's so exciting, excuse me. On the career side, I've also got a question for you. I'm aware of your scholarships project. However, as a longtime listener, I know your podcast is mainly focused on USA listeners. That is why I would like to ask if this scholarships, they are also available to Europeans. I'm in the Netherlands. Looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, thank you for all your efforts in producing your very informative podcast. Kind regards. Well, well thanks so much for listening from the Netherlands. And uh, yes, we are. I actually have some people in the Netherlands that are affording scholarships to me. But I will say this. We started with the U.S. because it's here. And when I decided to, you know, bring this up and and start the scholarship guide, I, I said, you know, hey, I, I need to get some money for people. What could go wrong? Well, I tell you what, I'll be honest with you. It, to totally be transparent, it's a little more difficult than I thought it was. So what I'm trying to do is get the kinks out of it. And I'm focusing on the U.S. while I'm trying to get the kinks out of this whole thing because uh, cause I'm here. And uh, and then I'll I'll uh, 
I'll fix it. That, that's for sure. So, and, and gosh, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a struggle. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody else to have to do this type of guide. I know another person who did it and I now know why they stopped doing it, but it's something that is driving me in life and I'm going to continue doing for a long time long time. So uh, I really appreciate it. Um, anyway, moving on to the next question here, uh, as far as it's a, um, let's see, it's from a student. Let's see. Let's see. We have, sorry about that. There's, um, oh, here it is. It's a, actually a voicemail. And uh, here's, I'll just summarize the voicemail and then we'll move on from there. And this is the one I'm going to throw Tom's way. It talks, uh, it says, uh, relate, it's a voicemail related to possibly switching companies after he's recently completed training at his current company. And he doesn't want to burn any bridges. Uh, you know, Tom, what do you think about somebody who's, who's possibly thinking about switching companies after completing training at the current company? Yeah, this can be a sticky subject, can't it? Um, yeah. You know, it, it, boy, there's good arguments on both sides of this. You know, I say may, maybe if I, uh, if I debate it uh, out loud quickly here with one or two points, is his safety uh, being compromised? Maybe not so much of a hesitation to switch companies. Right. Um, you know, has the current company really taken care of him, but there's a great opportunity that might be once in a lifetime? Eh, you know? Some conversations may be warranted maybe with the leadership there on what would be best. This really, I think, at the end of the day, comes down to a culture and a conscious consciousness issue. Uh, you know, not, it, unfortunately, you know, let's not dance around the subject. Some companies are just not worth working for. And sometimes in this career, you got to do what you need to do to move up the ladder in terms of going to work for a company that might not be the number one place you want to be, but you do need to build that turbo prop time or you do need to get in your first jet or whatever it might be. And you know going into that that you're going to be leaving. I think the important thing there is to have an exit strategy. So in this question, it sounds like he might not have an exit strategy and it sounds like maybe he didn't see this opportunity coming where he could just jump ship. So there's definitely some, hmm, some deep thought that needs to go into that. And, uh, you know, here's the deal. The good people in this business will understand you're trying to further your career and they're not going to hold it against you. The bad people in this business are going to get very upset and mad that you left. And you know what? We talked earlier about what you can control and what you can't control. You can't control somebody who runs a poor operation, who doesn't uh, have concern for your well-being, your opportunities, your future. You can't control those things. So, uh, you know, maybe it's... Uh, you can't make everybody happy either, you know, so there's good arguments on both sides of that. And I might not have enough information to give advice, but those are definitely some talking points that I would think about as I move through the checklist of, you know, pros and cons of leaving. And he doesn't want to burn any bridges. Boy, I tell you, that's a, that's an interesting comment right there. I mean, it's tough. That, yeah, it is yeah. because, you know, what did you have to do in aviation? Yeah. yeah, it really is. Well, you know, it isn't, it isn't. It's, uh, you know, in that scenario, it is. I mean, if you if your gut feel is, hey, you feel guilty about doing this, then you need to talk it over with other people and, and possibly not do it. Is there an implied contract? I mean, is is there something yeah. that you told the person, hey, listen, if you get me my type rating, I'm going to stay here for a good six months to a year. I won't leave. And, you know, that's your integrity. You have to deal with that. You have to go to sleep at night thinking about that. Now, with that said, if, like Tom said, if there's other extenuating circumstances, then bail. I mean, I helped someone pull out, pull out of a country 
uh, where this guy was carrying a machine gun in the cockpit, and he yeah. said, you know what, it's paying real good, but it's really dangerous. Could you get me a job back in the U.S.? And we sure did. We got him back to the U.S. and got him a job. Uh, so that that those type of things, you know, those are extenuating circumstances. Yeah, and you know, the thing to think about too is, you know, what would what would you tell yourself ten or twenty years from now, looking back? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. That's Sometimes you need yeah. to change your perspective on how you're viewing the situation because then maybe the answer is very clear. I, I think there's a story about uh, some company, I forget, this is a really old story, but they were discussing whether or not they should sell the mills. You know, this was like a textile company or something. And uh, uh, they, the two people running the company said, well, you know, if, if the board fired us and they brought a new CEO and what would the CEO do? Well, he'd sell the mills. Right, so you had to, you had to kind of look at it from a different perspective. You know, what would I tell myself, giving myself advice twenty years from now? Go survey people you look up to in the business and see what they say. Get that input so you can not only make the right decision but execute on that decision suitably. Great advice, Tom. I, I appreciate that's that. That's really that's I'm, really I'm, good stuff, Tom. I'm writing this down as we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, as always. Great, great advice. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah. yeah, one of the things my wife says a lot, and and I, I credit her with this because she's kind of the voice of reason behind me. <laughs> she, um, she she helped all the good decisions I make. She helped with. Um, and one of the things she tells me a lot, and and I don't know where she learned this or if she just you know intrinsically knew it. And and uh, it's a very valid point. If you if you have to justify to yourself why you want to make the decision, then it's probably not a good decision. It's something you could potentially regret later on. If the if you have to sell yourself on making the de- on making the decision, then you're probably you're <laughs> you're you're basically filling yourself up with sunshine. <laughs> you're telling yourself that it's this is what I should do and it's going to be okay. It's okay if I do this because of this. And yes, I said that, but this is. And if you're having to justify the step you want to take, maybe you need to step back from that and go. You know, am I justifying this to myself or am I really making a legitimate pro con list? And um, and that's I'm telling you what. When you're in the thick of the battle and here's this great opportunity over here. It seems like it's an open and shut case, and you know, as the, as we don't have all the story here, you know, behind the 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 decision that's being made. But the the fact that the guy is asking for feedback oh, exactly. from other people shows me that he's got the right attitude, and that that's that's, right. that's the idea. Go go to your go to your mentors, go to your your positive influencers, and they may tell you no, and that can be a positive influence. Point is. Don't lean on your own justifications because it's really easy to convince yourself that it's going to be okay when you may be setting yourself up for disappointment. Good point. Thanks. And we appreciate that question and that voicemail, I should say. Uh, we're actually going to try to, to uh, play a voicemail on here. Uh, by the way, if you leave a voicemail, do me a favor and tell me if you want your voicemail uh, played on the podcast or not. We didn't get that from him, so uh, uh, but we do have one coming up soon where the person actually gave us permission. So if you do uh, leave a voicemail, make sure you also say it's for Aviation Careers Podcast or Stuck Mike Avcast because it's the same number. By the way, that voicemail... It's uh, really easy to remember. Dip my wings. Dip my wings is the uh, is the uh, numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's just dip my wings. You don't uh, need the numbers with the I with know. a number like that. Just I know. Dip my, dip wings. my wings. And uh, so cool. I appreciate that. And moving on to our next question is uh, and. 
it, this one I'm going it, to, it's an interesting one. I'm not going to actually uh, play through the whole or read the whole question and response. One of the things that I feel is, is uh, important in my responsibility is to make sure, you know, that if you're sharing something, you're not going to get in trouble with your employer, et cetera. If you notice, we don't mention people's names unless you want us to mention your name. So I'm just going to kind of summarize. There's a couple things that I, I want to talk about. And I think this is really important. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, read this question, part of it. Uh, it says, Dear Carling the Gang, at the end of the social media episode, you suggested that listeners clean up their social media by deleting questionable content. Uh, he points out a piece of, uh, of content on his Facebook page and says he's not going to delete it. Okay. And, you, you know, I think it's really important that uh, he you know, is able to voice his, you know, First Amendment rights, etc. But uh, he does have one takeaway from all this. And I'm not going to go through the whole summary, but his takeaway is this. He says, there ought to be common, transparent, predictable limits on how companies can and cannot use social media content to screen job applicants. Free reign over a candidate's social media make it much easier for companies to unfairly discriminate not necessarily a topic to unpack on your podcast, but worth mentioning nonetheless. Well, I mean, won't, won't get into it too much, but but I think the point we were trying to make, and, and Eric and Tom can back me up on here, is that no matter what, when you're hiring somebody, when I'm hiring somebody, one of the first things I'm going to do is find out if this person's really interested in aviation. How am I going to do that? I'm going to go to their Facebook page. And when I'm at their Facebook page, if all their posts are about horses, etc., I know, first of all, the person, yeah, they're pretty well-rounded, but if I see no interest in aviation... I may move on to the next content, the you know, next uh, person, you know. Well, and also there's certain other things that I'll look for on a Facebook page, uh, certain things that, especially if I'm hiring somebody for an airline, when you're hiring somebody for an airline, you become, and anybody really, uh, you become an ambassador for that person's business, for that airline, for that brand. And if you are painting that brand in a very negative light, or you will be based on a lot of the things that you're saying in public, then, you know, I might think twice about, about you know, the possibility of, of hiring you, whether uh, this whole conversation about the legalities of, com- of companies using social media content to s- screen job applicants. Uh, you know what, if you have a, my, this is Mike Carl talking, if you have a Facebook page, it's just like a voicemail. If you leave a voicemail that's on somebody's, you know, voicemail machine or their, or their electronic voicemail, you know you're being recorded. In most states, it's illegal to record somebody else without their knowledge. But, but there is precedent that's set that makes, it says that people realize that if it's a voicemail, you are being recorded. Just like if you have a Facebook page, uh, you must realize that the world is going to see uh, what you have out there. So that's that's my perspective on that. Uh, you know, how about how about Eric? Did you, do you have a perspective on on what he's talking about here in our summary? Well, yeah, and and I I agree. I, I wish that we lived in a world where we could say and do whatever we wanted to, and there would be no consequences for it. I mean, I would have a lot of fun if that were the case. And I, I mean, I I get that. You know, I don't want people you know, prying into my private life either. And that's why I don't put my private life in social media. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a fine line there. I mean, I, I, I understand, listen, like I don't like living in a world where, you know, anybody can find out anything on any person at any time. Um, I think that's just, it's just odd, you know, that, that we know that much about each other. You know, there was a time when you had to like, you know, meet someone and shake their hand and look in their eye and have a conversation. And um, 
and I, you know, that's I, now I sound like I'm like 80. I sound like my yeah, granddad. Gosh. Um, <laughs> but 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 wow, Eric, what, you know what happened to me? <laughs> but that's how we met, Eric. So if you think about it, you know, it, it was a positive thing for us. Right. I don't have any problem with the benefits that social media can bring. What gives me pause, though, is if you want to be outspoken and 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 really political or really polar in social media, my point is it is absolutely your right to do that. And if that's what you want to do with your social media account, you should absolutely do that. And you should feel comfortable with that. You should be you. Everybody should be themselves. But if I walked into the CEO's office of my company and said, this company really stinks, I hate this company, that's the same thing as posting that on social media. So it's, it's you know, drawing parallels between social media and life. You know, we talk about this with forums and the negativity and stuff. You know, we disconnect from reality when we go off into the interweb and, you know, I, I have this comfort of anonymity. Or even if, it, even if you're posting as yourself, you feel distance from the people that you're talking to. Um, and... Look, I, I'm never going to say that you know anybody should you know not post what they want to post. But like I tell my students all the time, adult decisions have adult consequences. So you know, by absolute, absolutely, do what you think is right. Just be aware that the reality is not everybody's going to agree with you. <laughs> so um, I, I guess not that that really helps with the issue. I just I you know there are some things that I just don't want to share with the world. I don't think you're the world's business. Um, At the same time, I love the way that I'm able to connect with people like Carl. I never would have met Carl if it wasn't for social media. And I think there's a, there's a great strength there, but there's also like anything else, there's a tendency to take it too far. And if you're trying to, you know, get a job, just bear in mind that your social media account is sort of today viewed in the same light as you know, you walking into a press conference and lambasting the CV- CEO in in front of the press. That's that's what social media is today. So it's just it's a consideration. At the end of the day, it's your it's your choice. Absolutely. So to to add to that, Eric, just a, a couple of real quick examples. Number one, I know somebody who has actually taken off flying status for what he said on social media, wow. on um, the company that he was working for. And, uh, you know, basically said, this airline is the worst airline. Don't fly to this airline. And he was working for that airline. And the airline said, well, we don't want you flying here anymore. And then the, the second one was somebody who was, who was actually posting on their Facebook page and was, was very, you know, they, they're sympathetic to a, a certain terrorist organization. Well, what happened to that individual is the company didn't take him offline. The FBI did, and he actually yeah. was taken in for questioning. So be very careful, you know, especially, you know, there's some things you can see. There's a fine line. Some are jokes, some aren't. But, boy, I tell you, you, gotta be, you do have to be careful about what you consistently put out on Facebook. Uh, if, if it's a one-off, I think people understand the person that was took off, taken offline flying, it wasn't a one-off. It was it happened once. It happened twice. They finally said, hey, "Wait a minute, you know, you know that was once. This is twice. You know, this is this is a common theme. So we're gonna we're gonna stop this person from flying." And it and it held up. I mean, the, 
That's just the way it is. So, Tom, any anything you want to add to that before no, we move I on? Think, I think okay. Eric nailed it uh, when Good. he said it's all about choices. Yes, it sure is. It sure is. Now, this is something else that we're going to try to do today, something that's that's kind of fun. And so so bear with me. Uh, we're going to do two things. We're going to try to, to listen to a voicemail. And play that on here, and and then we'll get some commentary from from us uh, from that voicemail. So if you send in a voicemail again, uh, let us know if you want us to play it on here. And then number two, we're going to talk about a Facebook post. So if you want to make comments, by the way, you can go to Facebook and go to Aviation Curse Podcast. There, just do a search, you can find it. We're going to also try to post that that specific conversation on this episode. I don't know how to do that, to be honest with you. I'm going to find out before I finish recording this and editing this episode. I know how to do it with Twitter. I just don't know how to do it with Facebook, other than a screenshot. So if anybody knows how to take a Facebook post and take a clip and put it on, you know, send me an email, please. Feedback at aviationcurspodcast.com. <laughs> Getting some... And this some, is why Carl will always be in the right seat. Yeah, this, exactly. This right I'm not moving in. Always has to... Actually, no, you're asking for assistance. You should get Promoted. I know I should. I really should. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, here comes the first voicemail. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and play that, and uh, and afterwards we'll just uh, have a little commentary. Here we go. Carl, good morning. This is David Abbey on uh, Wednesday morning, in New York. Uh, just calling to try out your Google Voice um, feedback line, and just want to let you know I've been behind on a few of your aviation careers podcasts, and I just wanted to tell you the last three have been really good, which was. Um, First, Ben Mandel. I remember meeting him for a minute at um, Sun and Fun this year. And to be honest, when I first talked to him, I wasn't sure if he was uh, kind of full of it. You know, I didn't. He didn't come across to me as um, as being like um, he just really had this agenda to get across and you know very opinionated, which is not uncommon. But I tell you, your episode with him was really good, and um, I think. Carl, I think it's very important, and you did this in the episode, to to point out both sides of, like, aviation schools. You know, um, just like I noticed in, in many, like, industries with this, like, pro, for-profit education, you know, um, business schools or medical technician schools or other schools that do training, sometimes they are very, very, very expensive, and some of them are, are frauds, to be quite honest just trying to get student loan money from uh, from their their students. So um, I think it's important to point them out and, excuse me, not to sugarcoat anything. Um, so good job there. You know, um, don't, you know, it's good not to be all positive, and you're not. I don't think in your episodes you are. So that's good. And um, what else? Oh, I, I like your episode with Travis was good. Seems like he has such a great attitude with all the stuff he has going on in life and the challenges he faced. And then the last episode with Eric and Tom Wachowski, with Eric Crump and Tom Wachowski, that was really good also uh, about social media. It was very good that, um, of course, it's very important to, uh, when you put things on social media, say, would you want somebody, would you say this to somebody in real life? Because it seems in social media a lot of people just say things which are a lot easier to say online than face-to-face with somebody and uh so I thought that was really good also. So please send my uh, thanks to Eric and Tom. They, it was a great episode. And hope you're doing well, Carl. I hope to meet up with you again soon uh, when you're in New York. Uh, try to track me down, although I know you are usually here on pretty short notice and uh, don't stay for too long. 
All right. Be well, Carl. I'll keep listening and uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, Dave Abbey, thanks so much for that uh, that voicemail. Dave uh, actually has been on uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. Memory helped us out a lot at uh, at Sun and Fun. We do do really appreciate uh, him and and also uh, the episode we did with uh, with Tom. Isn't, isn't Dave an, an amazing uh, a person? Yeah, good. I attitude. really like Dave, and it's not just because he said something nice about me. I really, <laughs> I really do like Dave. Dave is the kind of guy. If I was having a barbecue here tomorrow, Dave is one of the people I would want to invite and make sure he was here. <laughs> yeah, and, and just just a very very passionate person uh, when it comes to aviation. He is. Uh, I think he's a great ambassador for aviation. He knows all the big players in social media and in aviation. And he's somebody that, that I do admire and uh, that he's kept up with it for so many years. Here's somebody who's not in aviation and just, I mean, he knocks it out of the park. He really, really understands what's going on. And uh, and thanks for listening, Dave. I know you're not interested in a career in aviation, but uh, but thanks so much for, for all that uh, positive feedback. And I hope you keep listening. Thanks again. Um, anyway, moving on to our next question. We have, I think we have two more. And this comes from the Facebook page. Uh, again, I'll have the link to the article I talk about on the Facebook page. If I can figure out <laughs> by then how to actually put the Facebook post on my website, I will do that. Um, but uh, it talks about the, there's a Wall Street Ar- Journal article, and hopefully, uh, you know, Tom and Eric have, have looked at it a little bit. It talks about the the pilot shortage has uh, has actually has the stock price stock prices in half at Republic Airways because they can't fill the seats. Uh, with pilots. And there's some interesting commentary in there about why that is. And I won't go into it because it's such a long article, but they do talk a little bit about the pay and uh, and also the new requirements have has pre- precipitated this, this quote-unquote pilot shortage or, or lack of qualified pilots. Uh, we did get a comment uh, when we put that out there, and I'm going to try to do this more often because I love reading these articles, and uh, especially from the Wall Street Journal. I think those are pretty cool. Uh, the The one comment that I heard was this, and this is kind of interesting because I've heard this over and over as a theme. Uh, a comment on the post says, there is no pilot shortage. It's just a pay shortage. It says, start first officers at 50000 a year, and they will be fully staffed in less than six months. Um, I'm not, not really sure that's going to happen because you do have to ramp it up. As far as, as training is concerned, is the, the low pay starting out, is that a problem? Yeah. Uh, in my view, I don't think it's really going to change because if I'm the CEO of a regional airline, I could easily sell you on the fact that, hey, you come here for a few years, uh, the pay is going to be low, but you're going to get the experience. You need to go off to the majors where you're going to make the six-figure incomes. And by the way, if you do decide to stay here in you know five to ten years, you'll be the person that's making really good money, especially if you upgrade to captain. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think in certain industries, it's been this has been that way for years and years. You are going to see this continue. One of the other things that uh, was discussed today about this article in another forum is the fact that with this seniority list that we have, you can't make a lateral move in an airline and make money. For instance, if I leave this airline, go to another, I start at the bottom of the list. Whereas Tom Wachowski, if he decides to go to another company, he can actually make more money moving to another job. And that's that's pretty inspirational there. So there's a couple things that have to change in the industry, some major things that have to change. Uh, yeah, is the pay getting better? Yes, there's, there's signing bonuses, et cetera. 
pay has more than doubled than when I started uh, with the airlines back in 2001. Uh, and there's not too many other things that have doubled like that. But, you know, you can't just look at the first year pay, look at the second, third, and, and down the line. And some of these airlines, uh, especially the regionals, they can, you can make a pretty good living. I mean, the last regional I worked for, I uh, didn't want to leave. I was making really, really good money. Uh, so, Tom, did you get a chance to take a, a peek at this Wall Street Journal article or a summary of it? You know, I did skim uh, some of it. And, you know, I'm maybe not the best person to comment on media because, <laughs> uh, you know, let's face it, there is an agenda there. And, uh, you know, but I think it brought up some good points. I think it's definitely, if you're considering this career, a must read. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe you have to kind of, you know, I, this is, I know I'm being vague and that's purposeful. Uh, make your own conclusions. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. And, and Eric, how about you? Did you get a chance to take a peek? I did. Um, actually, I have I've read through this a couple of times from different sources, and, and I love Tom's comment because depending on which news source you read this from, <laughs> the conclusion is completely different <laughs> depending on uh, and, and that's and to me that that outlines the the sheer ludicrousness, if that's a word of, uh, <laughs> of I mean if, if four outlets can report the same story, and have and draw a different conclusion from it from the same press release. Yeah. We, we might have we might have a communication problem, guys. We may have we what we have is a failure to communicate. <laughs> um, but I, I can't uh, I can't quote um, the actual study yet because it's not published. But I will provide some anecdotal data from a from a study that's going to come out pretty soon. And um, and and I, I say this just to provide information, not drawing a conclusion. Like Tom, I'm going to plead the fifth and, and, and stay neutral because I don't like hate mail. Um, but it, so, so here's the deal. Um, major study done um, of uh, basically 242,000 commercial pilots and people who hold an ATP certificate who don't work for the airlines. Okay, to About 242,000 people uh, certified by the FAA um, that hold either a commercial or an ATP and don't work for the airlines. Um, 55% of those people don't want to work for the airlines. Okay? So mm. take, take off a, a hundred off the top. Okay? They have no interest whatsoever in working for the airlines. And no matter what you do, they're not going to go work for the airlines because they don't want to. This, this is you know them answering questions. Um, as you would expect... Pay and lifestyle were the biggest reasons why people don't want to work for the airlines. 82% of the people who didn't want to work for the airlines said it was because of pay. 52%, believe it or not, said it was because of lifestyle. Okay, We talk a lot about the pay, but not many people talk about the lifestyle. Very good point. Mm. And I, I believe me, I don't want to go working for $28,000 a year either. That would hurt. Okay, But for me... You could pay me $100,000 and I would not go fly for the airlines because I don't want that lifestyle. I mean, just period, plain and simple. I don't, that's not how I want to live. And, and that's a, a big deal. We talk about these things from, again, from a slant. But remember, there are a lot of people who, who are qualified to work for the airlines today who don't want to. And half of them say it's because of lifestyle, not because of pay. Right. And so let's let's just you know let's call a spade a spade and 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 address address issues that that exist there. Of that, fifty five percent 
uh, so let's just use nice round numbers and call it 100,000 people. 45% of them, so half of that group, will not go to the airlines. They have no interest, like I said before, in going. The magic point from this survey, uh, this I, I got this from a, a conference I recently attended. The magic point, you could get about 24,000 new pilots if you started the pay at $45,000 a year. Now, that may sound like a lot of pilots. 24,000 pilots is a drop in the barrel. That's nothing compared to the number of people who are retiring. Okay, So even if you raise starting pay to $45,000, you'd still only really net about 24,000 new pilots that you didn't already have in the pipeline to begin with. I, I present this as information, and believe me, if this were already published, I would love to send you to it. I, I just mention it because I knew this was going to come up, and I every time this issue comes up and everybody goes straight to pay, people, it's not – pay is an issue. It's not the only issue. Okay. It's, a very <laughs> it's good really point. not. It's really not. I made this decision a long time ago and it had nothing to do with what the pay was. I would have gladly gone if I wanted to be an airline pilot like I thought I did when I was 13. I would have worked for it didn't matter because I knew it was for a limited amount of time. I knew I was getting value not just in pay but in the experience I was gaining from the job just like a resident does, just like an intern does in a hospital, just like a um, a legal aid does, you know, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I've passed the bar. I'm not representing a multi-million dollar case my first day on the job. It, you know, high profile, high responsibility position. This is a story we've talked about before. I just, I, I really, I don't like it when we keep getting caught in the mud of pay. It is an issue. It's not the only issue. And I really don't think it's the big issue that we need to be talking about. But that's me, my opinion. And, and and I submit myself to the hate mail storm. <laughs> I am sorry, but that, that's my opinion, guys. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to take a stand on this, and I'm going to come out of the park swinging. And, and uh, one of the things that you, you two can sit on the fence, but but I don't I don't think it's about pay. I, I think uh, in general, when you're looking at a job, uh, you aren't just looking at, at pay and that's it. You're looking at the whole scenario as to why you would get satisfaction in that job. All those things you brought up, uh, were things that I thought about. And, uh, you know, I, some people, they ask me, well, you know, look how long it took you to get to where you are now. Well, you know, wait a minute, what is it that you're looking for? You're looking for, you know, six-figure income? It took me about six years to get to that point once I got on with the airlines. Uh, are you looking for, you know, becoming one of those top, you know, 2% wage earners, which you will as an airline captain? Eh, you're maybe looking at 10 to 15 years to get to that point. So so you are giving up quite a bit of time, but you also are the, – the wage issue, especially at the majors, isn't that huge of an issue. Uh, at the regionals also, and I think I should do an episode on this, you know, how to make money as an airline pilot. There are different ways to make money. If you understand how to work the system, and I learned this, you know, I was a union rep for years, and I watched guys, and I listened to people, and I learned how to make uh, a really good living as an airline pilot. You know, how to work the system, and, uh, you know, there's certain little tricks to, you know, you don't get paid just to fly. Uh, there's other ways that you get paid for, you know, soft time flying with Czech airmen. In other words, they pull you off your trips, etc. So there's many different ways to to go out about making money. But I tell you what, it's it's a good living. Uh, it's uh, even at the regionals, you can make a good living. One of the things that that uh, I see as a problem now is is when I counsel certain people. They've been at the regionals for 15 years. You know, they're making 120, 150 thousand a year, and now they got to go back to making 60 in their first year at a major. 
You know, it's going to take them like three, four years to get back to that pay rate. Uh, but that's still a good pay rate. You're still in the top 5% of wage earners. Is the beginning really bad? Yeah. So for total transparency, it took me three years to get to 16500 in pay. That was my third year pay at the airlines. Why is that? Because I got furloughed first three years. One year, one year, one year. I was at three different airlines starting. But then that went up dramatically uh, because then we had a big increase in the economy. And there was a whole bunch of hiring, so I moved up to captain quickly. Uh, so, yes, I, I think that this is a good article. To, to just say there's a, a pilot, there's a, a pay shortage, I think a lot of times people will say that usually when they're pushing forth an, an agenda. I'd, I'd like people to, to help me understand that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's interesting. There's many different arguments. So there's mine. I'm waiting for the hate mail. I know I'll get some, but that's okay. You can send it to me. I, I, uh, I got a thick skin, but I really think this is an awesome career. It's not for everybody. And what we're trying to do is tell everybody about that. You know, you talk about, uh, Eric brought up the point of, of actually the commuting and the lifestyle. There's another way thing that you can do to change your lifestyle and that's live where you work. Uh, I'm a good example. Tomorrow I'm going to get on an airplane. It's going to take me six hours just to get to work. And uh, and then sometimes I have to go, well, actually I'm not working tomorrow. I'm working the following day. So I'm actually going up 24 hours in advance of my trip. So now I'm spending a day commuting. So I'm killing a whole day right there. Well, I'm going to see my family. So that, that's, that's a positive. But there are negatives to this job. When I was actually living in base, Man, I had a lot of time off, and uh, I changed, I decided a long time ago that it's not all about the money. I like days off, so uh, this month I have 22 days off this month, and next month I have 16 days off. Uh, I'm not one of those people that likes to, to work a lot. I like to go out, have fun, and hang out with Eric and, and the students at uh, Polk State College. So that that's my choice, and we See, all have choices. See, when you say that, when you say that, that makes me really think maybe that job could be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> Ooh, that, that part sounds really good. That, that whole minimum pay guarantee thing, man, that sounds yeah. good. Well, I'm but, uh, now with that said, <laughs> let's be totally transparent. I go below the minimum pay guarantee, uh, and yeah, you can course, do that because yeah. I, I take yeah. time off because I want to. Uh, you know, I just, I really like hanging out with the, you know, the, the kids at the school. And the other cool thing is if I want to pick up some extra money, say I want to put a down payment on a car or something like that, or even a house, I just work some extra hours and boom, I get it. You know, I, I put it away in the bank. So there is that opportunity to make quite a bit uh, of money, but, uh, but you just have to, you have to work hard at it. But believe me, I know the initial pay is, is not good, not good at all. And the other thing that, that people don't like about this industry, and this is going to take a long time to change is that whole horizontal move you can't make you start at the bottom and uh, that's been traditional uh you know the the a lot of people blame the unions but it's not just union shops that do that all shops do it it's not just union shops so you do you do start off at the bottom so anyway great yeah, that's great a generational article. change that's going to take some time yes take a long time uh, it's not like corporate america where you can just bop around jobs and make more money it's a whole different ball game um, but anyway, yeah, I think we need a we need to do that. I need to do an episode how to make money as an airline pilot. The little tricks of the trade that pretty much work at most airlines, depending on their work rules. Anyway, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that uh, feedback there on that post. And Tom, I will, if you ever figure out how to make money as a corporate pilot, let me know. I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> 
Tom, Tom's sitting there like, gosh, this is why I got out of airline flying. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) uh, I don't want to tell anybody my secrets because that's my money. (laughs) Well, well, Tom, you know, seriously, gosh, Tom, that's why you got out of it, isn't it? The the lifestyle is a lot different in the in the. Well, I I wish I could say I was that smart. You know, I was furloughed and had always thought, ooh, corporate looked fun, so I went and did it and just fell in love with it. So I can't say that it was like, hey, there's a bunch of money and a bunch of time off and cool equipment over there. Let's go do that. I was. Wasn't that smart? Um, uh, but I will say that um, uh, now being in it for ten years versus the airline side for nearly five, um, you know, it's just different strokes for different folks. I don't yep. think there's one right answer. Uh, they each have, as Eric pointed out, their own lifestyles. Uh, they each have, as you point out, Carl, their own pay scales, uh, and it really comes down to what's most important to you. It, it and it does, and it, and everybody has different strokes. Like you said, you know, I'm not a big almond eater, but I tell you what, since I've been doing this podcast and people have been berating me for my lack of almond likeness, <laughs> I I actually started eating almonds, and I'm enjoying them now. So sometimes you, your you taste got changed. pressured into eating almonds. I really? do. I do eat them every day now. Actually, See, now I feel be- bad about all the grief I gave you, you about the almonds. You know, but I found out what it is. Is I like the raw almonds. I don't like almonds cooked in things. And then boom. So I made this discovery on my own. So not everything in life is. Bad. Bad. I thought that the almonds were a bad thing, but no, I discovered raw almonds. So thanks for that, Eric. I do appreciate that. Hey, well, I'm glad I could do something <laughs> positive in your life. <laughs> but I mean, we laugh, but that's it's it's just like that. I mean, you never know. You know, you could don't knock it till you try it. In other words, that's right. And that's, that's what I right. that's what I learned with my almond uh, scenario. And you might learn that with the airlines. As a matter of fact, today I found out, and I didn't know this. Somebody I did an airline interview prep with because we do that in our coaching page. Uh, he got the job with the airline, and he decided to quit. He said, you know what? This isn't for me. Uh, I moved here with my family, and I'm away from my family all the time now. I'm not going to do it. I'm going back to uh, to doing something else in aviation. So I thought that was really, really cool that that person realized that and decided yeah. that this this wasn't for him. But you know what? He tried it. At least he tried it and realized it's not not, not his cup of tea. And he's moving on to other things in aviation. So that's really good. And we, uh, and, and good luck to him, too. But uh, anyway, our last question is actually, we're going to, it's a summary, and there's going to be a link to an article. Uh, but Eric is going to try to summarize this question for us before we move on and to, to wrapping up. And it uh, talks about color vision. So, Eric, could you, could you maybe summarize this question from this individual and your response? Sure. So I talk about color vision a lot um, on the podcast, and um, mainly it's because, like I said before, I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know who to ask. So when the topic of color vision comes up, because I had to struggle with that, and when I say struggle, I mean nine months of wondering, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to be a pilot or not? I mean, like it it was a struggle. It was a serious challenge I had to overcome and my career journey. And um, so anytime the opportunity comes up to try to share my experience and try to encourage people who are in that same place I was, I, I really see that it's important for me to do that because there were people who really helped me out of a jam. And um, and so I, I want to pay that forward. And one of the people who I guess had listened to a previous episode where I had talked about color vision um, wrote in and, and – um, and uh, thank me for, or thank us, not me, for bringing the issue up and and talking about it, and ask specific questions about, um, you know, some of the alternate vision tests you can take. Other than, you know, when you go in for your medical, you look at the Ishihara plates, which are the little colored dots. Which, if you're colorblind, you don't see anything. It's just a bunch of colored dots. 
Um, there are alternative color vision tests you can take that the FAA's approved, and then you can also take the operational color vision test, which we all call the signal light test, where you go stand at the base of the control tower and they shoot light gun signals at you. That's what I did. Um, but one of the things I talked about with this person by email earlier uh, was that I actually took one of those alternate tests before. Um, and was told that that was going to be fine. Well, years later, uh, there was a you know change of leadership in the aeromedical division. Guess what? That approved test wasn't approved anymore. No one told me that. I didn't know that. I reapplied for my medical, and I lost my night flying privileges. Like, well, it was okay last week. Wow. But, you know? <laughs> and so then I, then I began this nine-month journey of trying to figure out what to do next. And yes, there are alternative tests. Um, my personal experience, not saying it would happen to you, um, but if you can get one, of, get through one of those tests, there's always a chance that one of them might not be approved later on, and that's what happened to me. Um, the uh, the listener also pointed out that um, you know the the signal light test is kind of a pass fail kind of thing. Now, when I did it, you had two chances. You could you could take it twice. I did fail it the first time um, because I had no idea what I was looking at. I had, I was looking at the control tower you know, at sunset and the sun was beating off of the window that the light was coming out of. And I had no, I had no idea what to even look for. And so I I failed the test. Um, and that was a huge, you know, hit, but I got, you could take it twice. Now, if that has changed and you can only take it once, that is news to me. And I was really glad that this person provided, um, an informational article about the current standards for color vision and color vision testing which Carl uh, has graciously offered to post in the show notes. So if you're in that boat, um, please go and and educate yourself. I'm going to be doing that too because I want to make sure that when I'm telling people about what's going on that I'm communicating the correct information. So I really appreciate uh, that heads up. I have not looked at it myself yet. It may be one and done or it may still be two attempts. I'm I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it myself. Um, But one of the things I had mentioned before was – what I learned from that first experience was to go and practice. And I know that sounds ridiculous, um, but to stand on the ground, call the control tower and ask them to shoot light guns at your head. And they will absolutely do it. I went to two different airports and asked, they kind of like, you want me to do what? (laughs) (laughs) I just need you to shoot a light at me. Don't tell me what color it is. I'll tell you what color I think I see. You tell me if it's correct or not now obviously if it's a high density traffic day don't do it at the work don't do it at the worst times at the airport (laughs) you know use common sense but if if they have the availability my experience was they were all too happy to help and i I had no trouble passing the test the second time um and finally got that color that uh, night flying restriction removed from my medical and uh, and got back to work one of the questions though that he asks is um you know if i don't get through this am i out of luck you know, can I be a professional pilot with a color vision restriction on my medical? Um, should I look at helicopter flying as opposed because a, a lot of that's done during the daytime? Um, you know, I <laughs> – here's the thing. Um, and, and I can only go on my personal experience and the experience that I've, you know, encountered from other people. I was in the process of changing jobs when I lost my color vision uh, uh, ability when I lost my night flying privileges. I had just, I mean, literally just been offered a job. Um, and I had to call the employer and say, hey, listen, I know you just hired me, but I just renewed my medical and found out that, you know, I lost my night flying privileges. What do you want to do? And the guy said, well, are you going to test? And I said, yes, I'm going to test. And you know, this is my plan. 
okay, well, you know, I don't have an issue with it. Come on and, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there. I got there um, and in the process of, you know, working with me and getting me set up for the job and everything, we kind of hit it off. And um, he said, listen, you know, I, I don't want to put any pressure on you. If this, if this color vision thing doesn't work out, don't worry. You've still got a job here. That was my experience. Now, luckily, I never had to test that because I was able to pass the test and I got my night flying privileges back. There are plenty of opportunities for flying during the day. Now, if you're talking about helicopter, that's an option. But, you know, there are certainly some operations where helicopters do fly at night also. So um, it's a matter of, you know, adequately communicating uh, up front. Don't look like you're trying to hide anything. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're qualified for the job, I'd like to think that, uh, that, you know, that that opportunity is there for you. Um, from my personal experience, I can tell you that it was for me. And I, I'm very thankful for that. I could have been um, in a really bad place. Um, and you know, Tom made a point earlier. There are some companies that are, you really don't want to have to work for. Um, you know, maybe that's not the right company for you. Um, go and, go and you know, don't, don't give up your aviation dreams because you've got a limitation. Shoot, I've had <laughs> we talked about this to start off with. I had plenty of challenges to overcome. Some of those were people. Some of them were things. But I mean, and I had numerous chances to give up. But I love this too much to give up on it. If if this is what you want to do, push and try. And if if you've got that kind of motivation, it, I mean, a challenge is just one more thing to do. Um, and I don't think you'll stop at all. And, and my, um, I just had a really, uh, it was really encouraging. Uh, reading that email, and I, I really appreciate you for uh, reaching out, and thank you for the education and the encouragement. And I, I hope uh, I hope we um, have been able to provide that back to you too. Well, thanks, Eric, for for that information, boy. I, I really, you know, I admire you for that that struggle that you've made it past that. And you know, we all have those struggles in life, and and I think uh, what's great about listening to Eric's story is that you get from that. You know, there's always something that could change. Like, for instance, we're going to link to this article. Uh, since this article was put out, things could have changed, especially with the FAA, and things do all the time. So, so remember to always try to keep up with with anything that that may affect you in your career, uh, because you're going to see the rules change constantly. You know, who would have known that you'd have to have 1,500 hours to get hired by an airline? I never thought that would ever happen, but it has. Uh, so there's a lot of different changes going on. So appreciate you answering that there, there Eric. That's, uh, that's a great story, and, and it, it, never, it never gets old. That, that's for sure. Well, moving on, I think that was that was our last question, wasn't it, Eric? Yes, it was. We appreciate you sharing that with us, Eric. And moving on to our next section before we close out with, with Tom and Eric is our scholarship of the week. Our scholarship of the week this week is from the Colorado Pilots Association Scholarship Program. And this is actually for the, the candidates have to actually be in one of three institutions, full-time students at Metropolitan State College, uh, Ames College, Community College, and also the Colorado Northwestern Community College. So if you're in Colorado, check this out. We'll have a link to it. It's a $2,000 value. And uh, if you're looking to get some money, $2,000 could help you quite a bit moving towards your career goal in aviation. So we'll have that link at the bottom of the show notes. Make sure you check that out. Well, guys, we really appreciate you being here. You know, just uh, a quick in, in closing here, if you're looking for money for your education, go to the scholarships guide. We've changed a few things. Like I said before, we vetted it, we update it, and now we audit the scholarships that are out there. One of the few people that actually do that. We're different than all those other listings on the internet. We actually audit these these scholarships. And, uh, you know, of course, when you get uh, purchase the uh, 
your monthly uh, membership, you get that PDF guide. You can download it at any time. Also, what I'd love to hear from you is some feedback, especially from people that love their job, especially if you were a, a former fighter pilot uh, and uh, try to prove me wrong on that one. And, and I think I have been proven wrong. Uh, you know, fighter pilots do love their jobs as pilots with the airlines. So I'd love to hear from you. And uh, another thing, too, is that uh, our, our feedback, if you could, you know, I love hearing your voicemails. And let us know if we can use that voicemail on here. It's dip my wings or 347-699-4647. Of course, you can contact us on Twitter at Flying Careers and on Facebook. Check out Facebook. We're going to start posting some different articles on Facebook, too. So check out our Facebook page. It's Aviation Careers Podcast on Facebook. And, of course, you can always go to your email and type in feedback at Aviation careerspodcast.com and uh, you can contact either Eric or Tom using that feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast and we'll forward that along to Tom and Eric but uh, Tom or Tom do you have another uh, alternative uh, contact uh, that you like to put out there or just the feedback is fine no the feedback is good and I think in the other episodes we always talk about uh, uh, you know that's probably the best way actually because that way it goes through you Carl and, and you're always real good at vetting and sometimes responding uh, when Eric or I are tied up. So I think that's a good way to go. Awesome. Awesome. We'll do that. And also, uh, Eric, of course, loves to uh, get some feedback, especially on Twitter. What is your Twitter, Eric? You can get me on Twitter at C-E-R-I-C-G-O. S-E-E-R-I-C-G-O. And Twitter is a great way to have a communication uh, rally with me because I am limited to 140 characters. <laughs> um, so it uh, definitely lets you get a word in because I can only do 140 at a time. A man that knows his limitations. I like that. That's important. It's important. <laughs> Personal minimums, Tom. Personal minimums. Yeah. Well, Tom, man, yeah, I really appreciate you being here. And also, Eric, this is always great to have these conversations. And, and I love hearing from the perspective of a corporate pilot, somebody who's in, in academia, who's been through quite a few different, uh, and we all have actually been through quite a di- few different uh, <laughs> versions of our careers. And now we're actually kind of settled in a direction. But you know what? Even though we all seem settled, hey, you never know. It could t- take another turn. We don't know what the future brings, uh, but we sure are excited about it. And we hope you're excited about it, too, uh, about your aviation career or or whatever career that may be. If you want to be a flight attendant, a, a mechanic, a pilot, I know we concentrate a lot on pilots, you know, whatever it may be, you know, try to do something now, do something today to move forward in your career. And I want you to do this. Uh, you know, one thing I want you to do is today or tomorrow, whenever it may be, you know, once you're done jogging and listening to this or in your car, try to... Say something positive about your career and also try to say something positive about somebody else. It could be a pilot. If you're a flight instructor and you're giving feedback to a student, uh, to somebody you're evaluating, try to spin it in a bit of a positive light. Of course, we want you to tell them the truth, but make sure that it's in that kind of a positive light so that they're more receptive to learning. And I think that's really important. But do something. Do something today. And you know what? We're going to talk to you next episode, but what we want you to do is be positive and also don't succumb to the naysayers. Listen to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'd love you to listen to that. Talk to you next episode. Have a great one, and we'll see you soon. Fly safe. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, 
Compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.